Ladies and gentlemen, this is your places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Stand by lights one and sound one. Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action. Hello. <laughs> Hi, all. How are you? <laughs> Thank you guys for coming back. Yeah. Episode three. Episode three of Pretend World's Real People. It is episode three. It oh, is shit, episode three. Yeah, this is uh, episode three. This is episode three. <laughs> <laughs> Pretend we haven't done that Real many people. yet, Tyler. <laughs> I have so much editing I have to do. That's Tyler. I'm Stephanie. And we will be your hosts uh, for this episode and every episode afterwards. Unless Let's one of us hope is so. sick. Or, yeah, one murders the other, something like that. Yeah, it's um, probably uh, going to happen. Today we have a... a our first guest. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Gosh, I'm going backwards in time. <laughs> We're tenanting our own podcast. It's our, it's our first guest today. How exciting. I know. And she's she's awesome. I've known her for, gosh, I think almost eight years now. And uh, she is a, a theater actress. She's a film actress. She's a wonderful, wonderful performer. She's really into fitness, which is awesome. Uh, I would like to welcome my friend, Eliana, to our podcast. Hey, Eliana. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks yeah. for joining us on a Saturday afternoon. I mean, granted, there's not a lot else to do during current times, but you know. <laughs> you didn't have any any big plans today, did you? Nope, just uh, being a hermit and writing as I usually do. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's awesome. What what are you what are you writing right yeah. now? Anything you can talk to us about? Yeah, so um, I'm writing a short, I guess you could say it's like a short ghost story, but Ooh. it's, um, so basically I, a theater company I worked with that presented my first full-length play, they asked me to come back and do some work, and they're doing ghost stories around the world, so I, I'm obviously tackling Mexico since I'm Latinx, and that's nice. um, my culture. Yeah, and then just who are disappearing, the women, the men. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. Very cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that a little bit more deeply. Yeah. But We're before dig we, uh, yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. jump right into our questions, and then we'll yeah. go from there. Uh, so the first one's just really a, a broad question. We want to know, you know like, or at least the listeners want to know, because I already know you. <laughs> but, I don't know. You can tell me. <laughs> uh, but, but who are you, and what do you do? Um, great. We'll just start with the bare basics. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ileana Lucero Barron, that's my name. Yeah. She, ella, hers, those are my pronouns. And um, I am an artist in Denver, Colorado. That's where I'm based in. Um, and outside the pandemic, um, before everything happened, that's all I was doing, which was just purely art, doing theater, do, working with the Denver Center for Performing Arts as a teaching artist, working with kids and stuff. Um, and even though right now I'm in a real world job because of the pandemic, mm -hmm. that's still what I'm focusing on. And a lot of it is obviously virtual in these boxes mm -hmm. that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just uh, I would say now it's a lot more creative in an activist form, which is a lot more playwriting for me, a lot more um, working with boards and committees here in Colorado. So I work with the Colorado Theater Guild. I'm a board member on there, which oversees all of oh, Colorado cool. theater. I'm also with a committee that's for safer theater in Colorado. So basically oh, nice. like looking at intimacy training and things for theaters around Colorado and then just like separate little sprinkled groups. So a lot of it using theater for social justice. Um, one of them is called Casa Milagros Youth Solutions. So 
we tackle middle and high school youth um, who are either in the juvenile system or they're in lower income areas. Oh, nice. Um, boys and girls clubs. So that's kind of what I am doing at this moment as a creator. Wow, that's awesome. Wow. Oh, you've been busy. Yeah. Trying. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, um, so I guess pre-COVID times then, um, what was your day-to-day -day like in terms of being an artist? What, what were you working on? What were the, the different things that you were involved in? Um, so day-to-day -day was basically like any other artist, especially actors. Um, mm -hmm. I know for sure Tyler knows the struggle where it's like you're looking at stuff with your agency, so getting auditions and um, self-tapes, but also the biggest thing was uh, work with the Denver community. So with the Denver Center, um, going to schools on the daily, I did several programs. One is focused on elementary school, so um, it was like pre-K all the way to like first grade. And it was basically reading them stories and acting them out and taking them into their imagination. Very cool. I also worked with a branch called, yeah, that was called Book Stars. And, um, which is um, working with middle and high school in their parking lot on a truck. And it was me and a, like a company of six actors and basically perform it and then um, tackle it with a workshop at times and asking them questions that related to their situations. So like in Romeo and Juliet, it was basically like, all right, let's talk about your relationship with your parents. Let's talk about what is love to you at this mm, age. Mm -hmm. So um, that was the daily. It was a lot of work with the Denver Center, a lot of work with kids, and then just trying to stay creative in my own bubble, which was doing theater. If I wasn't doing a play, it was a stage reading. If not, I was trying to find more work film and just trying to, obviously, I like to call myself a Juana of all trades. Juana. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. I, Gotta represent. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea that, uh, that you were getting like that far into playwriting. So I think when we had met initially, you know, it was just performer to performer and, you know, we were just trying to get into projects. So what, I'm getting away from our, our list of questions here, but what brought you into playwriting? What, like what sparked that passion and you start writing stories yourself? Um, no, that's a great question. Um, it all started, honestly, uh, the first, the first full length play I did, which is the big piece I have right now. Um, that's what really hit me for, that's what bit me with playwright. Mm. The bug that bit you. Yeah, yeah I guess we got you. <laughs> yep. I remember thinking, totally a Latinx story, but this is for the African-American experience. I know what these people are going through, but why isn't there more stuff like this for people like me? People mm. who look like me, people who are in the Latinx theater community. So it was an idea for a long time. It was like a little seed that was planted in me. And then fast forward when Denzel Washington's film came out, Fences mm. with yeah. Viola Davis. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. I, um, my partner got us tickets to the preview so we saw it before it was released nationwide and um after we saw that i had told her i was like so isn't it amazing like this and isn't it totally relatable for like our culture and she looked at me she's like you just need to write it so fast forward from that like she really po pro poked and prodded at me she's like you got to do that so then 
I ended up getting a class at the Denver Center for Performing Arts for Playwriting because as a teaching artist, we get the opportunity to take a class for free That's every cool. semester. Yeah, so I was like, sure, why not? Because <laughs> earlier in the year, a director had a, who I worked with was also like, you need to you need to write that idea because if you have it and you really want it, chances are someone else is thinking that they really mm -hmm. yearn for it, but they're not going to write it. They're not mm -hmm. going to do it. So when I got that playwriting class, I started writing it. And after that, it just became this monster that became like a full length play. It's been through multiple readings with theaters. I did WordFest with Su Teatro um, recently, earlier this year. And then two months later, I had this other festival with Next Stage in Colorado. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so yeah, that's how, I, that's how I started the journey. Yeah, it was basically, um, the journey was all about finding more material that I connected with because uh, this kind of goes to our college days, Tyler. Um, yep. <laughs> fast forward back, I had gotten, yep, I got the joy of being in the room with Gina Davis. She came to UCD to do a talk back with us and she talked about women in the industry. She's like, mm -hmm. there are, she's one of the people on the front line who was, who has been fighting for more strength in women's roles, more, more representation for women. And um, yeah, that's what it's been about. I was like, yeah, I do wanna see more of myself. I do want stronger female characters in film, in theater. I want more representation all around. And then like combining that with this full length play I did, I was like, it was like magic. It was like, oh, this what's, is what I need to be doing. What's the name of the play? Uh, it is called Dulce Desesperación. In English, it's called Sweet Desperation. Interesting. And what, what are you imagining the future of this play would be is you know and if if we weren't in a pandemic right now you know what was the trajectory for it or trajectory um, <laughs> that, <laughs> those are words, those are words. <laughs> right <laughs> you know that that works yeah <laughs> what are what are words in a pandemic yeah <laughs> what is Nobody life knows. my brain <laughs> leaked out my ears by now it's fine um but so the foreseeable thing from the beginning, after it became full length, it got in the festival and it got a lot of interest because I did a stage reading before it got into a festival or anything. It was private and I did it with multiple theaters in Colorado because I had made those connections. And I was like, hey, if you're willing to please come hear it, come see mm -hmm. it. And um, Su Teatro, which is one of my home theaters here in Colorado, they were all for letting me use the space and nurturing it. Um, but the after I did that, I saw, I started thinking bigger and I was like, I want this published. I want it licensed. I want to see it in mm -hmm. theaters. And what's beautiful is um, after this last reading I did with the New Works Festival with Next Stage, I was approached by one of the co-founders of that theater. And they are actually, they actually talked to me about licensing it. Oh, and nice getting it out so wow. the future I see with it is continuing to push it forward because a lot of people have told me even people who weren't Latinx after yeah. all these readings, they were like this is very relatable you should like this needs to be heard so obviously the ultimate goal for me is getting it published and just making sure that something like this gets out there mm -hmm. because of the representation it holds and mm -hmm. also because I did I added I tried to add female characters in great that so Dulce Desesperación is about Adelita Hernandez. She is the youngest of four. She has three older brothers. She has her mother and her father. Um, 
there throughout the play you see her going back into her memories so we meet her the older version of Adelita I call her so she's like Mm. 19 years old we meet her older self and it's her retelling of all the events that happen and basically the d she starts to uncover and really dig into what happened and Mm. essentially touches a little on the psychological because of the damage she faced because there's a lot to do with her father the Mm. um the break between her father and her mother because her father left the house. Um, and also her the journey of her brothers trying to deal with this, having to raise her. Um, and then he comes back into the picture. Yeah. So that's what it's all about. Interesting. And, mm-hmm, it's just, it's wow. really just a female, a woman's perspective, but also a girl's perspective. I love that. This, I love that. Yeah. So when uh, when are you doing another reading, a Zoom reading that we could <laughs> possibly be involved with or just audit? You know, um, absolutely. Um, I am planning to do a reading soon because there are still it's so close to being done where mm-hmm. I'm like, I just have some fine tuning to do. But yeah. I have been thinking of doing a private another private Zoom reading just to kind of have it bare minimum, mm-hmm. not necessarily a festival, just people to come in and listen who mm-hmm. want to hear mm-hmm. the story who have an interest in either nurturing it or just yeah. want to hear that sense of representation yeah, that yeah, we're yeah. lacking wow so i'll let you know <laughs> yeah you better oh my god so I mean, obviously a lot of your your passion stems from your personal experiences and something that i can relate to your your cultural experiences so where do you see like your passion taking you. I always ask somebody this, usually towards the end, but I figured I'd ask you now. Yeah. Say in, let's go two years ahead, where do you want to be as a creator? That's a big question. I know. Um, I'm sorry. It's a yeah, lot of pressure. No, no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's perfect. You know, you got to think about this. I'm sure you've been asked that with your career because I've seen you grow, Tyler. Stephanie, I don't know. Obviously, we're still okay. getting to know each other. Yep. <laughs> um, but but obviously with this podcast, same thing, you know, like, um, but I would say I see myself, um, definitely a little more established with my playwriting. Mm. I see myself being what I would hope is being seen as that activist of bringing that voice to the community, to my community culturally, Mm -hmm. and just, Mm -hmm. um, uh, pushing forward women, because that's, that's where I see myself going now, especially with the political climate, everything that's happening, we're building up these elections, and then our, um, RBG, and everything Mm -hmm. that happened. Yeah, Um, oh my god. I know, that (sighs) one hurt a lot. (laughs) But yeah, that's, that's where I see myself. I see myself really building to establishing more of making it clear of what I want as Mm -hmm. a creator, which is lifting other artists up. So it doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I know I'm not a theater or anything. It just is really just pushing more towards, um, I guess it's a little self-discovery. You know, it's like by the end of two years, I would hope to know that this, like, um, I would hope to know that I have a staple in this community yes. by bare minimum, but also that I'm starting to reach out to the network and the web mm-hmm. of other people. Because the beautiful thing about this last reading is it was actors from all over the U.S. Nice. I had people, wow. yeah, from the Bay Area. I had someone in Minnesota. I had <laughs> others in Florida. Like, it was, it was really cool. So I think that's what it is. Uh, two years, just making, having more of a staple in the community in Denver, Colorado. We're just mm-hmm. in Colorado as a whole, but also making sure that people know that I am here as mm-hmm. a Latina 
in the U.S. Period. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. big goal. Yeah, big goal for, yeah, totally let's doable. See what happens. Um, precursor to Tyler's question that we usually ask first, but he's going all off script today. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, how did you get here? Like what inspired you either as a kid or as a, you know, young adult, whatever, like what led you to this place where you are now? Um, it's such an irony. I touched on theater when I was younger, Uh I was like in elementary school. I did the Shakespeare festival. I blanked out on my lines that day. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Such a fake memory now. Um, but I did it, dropped it. I thought I was going to be a visual artist by the time I hit middle school because I loved manga. I loved art. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to be a manga artist. I'm going <laughs> to do anime because that was my thing. I was like, I'm going to do this. I, was, I went through but that But then phase. I hit high school. <laughs> I think if if you read manga or watched anime, I think we all did. Yeah, like, yeah. I want to do something that's cool. Yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, but fast forward to high school, I had been, I had become a huge introvert. I was not very, very open like mm-hmm. I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my sophomore year, I saw a play or I saw a preview for our spring musical, which was Pirates of Penzance. And then I just thought to myself, I was like, I told my parents I wanted to go see it. So we did. And then after that moment, I was like, I really want to do this. I feel like I could do it. Mm-hmm. So it was literally this is why I call myself one of all trades because I literally did everything to get myself on the stage. I played in the orchestra pit. I did tech. I tried props. I took drama class after that. Like I got onto my theater, um, my school's uh, theater council. I was mm-hmm. like on East, uh, the East theater council. Mm-hmm. And um, it took me like multiple tries. It was like third time was the charm. I finally got cast. And that's when I knew this is what I wanted to do. I was like, I want to be creative. And what's funny is my mom didn't like my parents didn't take it seriously. They're like, Oh, that's nice. Like after out of high school and they're like, that's good. But what else, what else are you going to do to, yeah. you know, like as Latinos, I'm sure you've, you people you've met and I'm sure you kind of have an idea that it's like, growing up because my parents are immigrants growing up they're like you want to have a good job Mm -hmm. you want to be stable this Mm -hmm. and that so that was a big worry for them but then my mom saw me in college my first production was called blood wedding irony i started with the latinx Mm -hmm. piece or something that related to latin american theater and um after that they're like oh like my mom actually took me seriously after that and that's how i got here it was literally through just saying no, because I actually had to make a choice when I, the first day of college, I remember uh-huh. my, my counselor was like, oh, you can't do those classes, and I was like, what do you mean, he's like, no, you're a liberal arts major, you have to stick to this, yeah. and I literally threw the book out the window, nice. like, with the status quo, and I was like, no, this is what I want to do, so I, like, took a big risk, because I was going to go for, like, medicine, mm-hmm. and then I was like, no, I don't want to do that, and then, yeah, I just took the dive, and that's Here great. I am. That's how I met Tyler because I got into yep. the our what it was a theater, film, and television program. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I think the first project I met you on was something that I believe Sean was directing. It was a couple mm. years older than us when we were all in the Prod One computer room. Yes. <laughs> and it was like an internal monologue short film, uh, but it's it's been really great seeing you grow and seeing where you, where you've gone, especially in your career, and even uh, like Sue Teatro, I hadn't really visited until uh the the play you were in with ben martinez premiered last north year. north side north side yeah and oh, I, man, I, man. I absolutely loved it so like like 
tell us how you got involved with uh, with Sutiato and being like such a a big part of that company too. And what like what what are they doing now with COVID? Yeah. Um. So Sutiato came uh, way later than I had thought because while I was in college, I obviously knew there was community theater, but I didn't know how to access that. And that's another thing I really am trying to tackle. It's like how can I help this community, especially other um, other cultural aspects of it, mm-hmm. access things that a lot of people don't really have access to, which unfortunately the white community has a lot of access Mm -hmm. to it because they're the ones who have the opportunity most of the time, unfortunately. Um, But I didn't access Sutiatro until after I graduated. I graduated in 2016 and then I remember I had tried to audition for something. I had gotten in contact with Mika um, Mm -hmm. uh, Benavidas de Garcia and she she tried to make this audition work for me. It was for a play called Chicano Sing the Blues, which sounded super dope. It was. Um, <laughs> but I didn't do it because I um, it just was not in the cards. And then I got an email sometime later. I think it was a few months later where she's like, hey, we have auditions. We need some people. Can you come and audition? So after that, I was like, yes, I can come. Because I had heard so much about Sutatro throughout my time in college from one of my professors. And I was like, I need to on board with this it's a latino theater Mm. yes so after that it was like history i got into that production which was called el sol que tu eres the sun that you are and it was based off of the greek tale of orpheus and eurydice Mm -hmm. um and basically after that i just got more involved because it felt like home i was like these people are latinos they um they're more chicano than anything um, but they're Latinos, they're people who speak Spanish, people who look like me, people who actually are doing theater. Um, so the journey began mm-hmm. and then evidently led to this beautiful pairing where I just became a company member. And right now with COVID, um, what was amazing is they've managed to stay afloat. Things are definitely slow with a lot of theater. I'm sure as you've seen with the film industry, when COVID hit, oh, yeah. everything died. Literally everything went yep. out. Yeah. But they still managed um, to go forward with the Word Fest, which was earlier this year. That's what my play was in. Oh, great. And then, yeah, and that was like, it was originally supposed to be a month and they extended it to like two months. So it went from, I believe it was May all the way to June or even July. And then after that, they had like the Chican Indie Festival, um, the Chicano Music Festival. So they're, they're slowly still, they're still sticking with what their, um, their audiences know because they have these annual things. Um, but now it's like, I think just like any other theater, now that all those things are done, it's really just trying to continue to figure out how can we all navigate COVID? Because mm-hmm. that's that's literally been the biggest struggle, which it's like, how can we use this box, this medium of Zoom, or um, I just discovered StreamYard. I was like, oh, this is a thing too. Um, Google Meets, like how can we navigate this to bring more content to the audience? So that's where they're at right now. Mm-hmm. Wow. And um, what is your experience in the film industry as well? You know, you, you're clearly very much in a theater mindset right now, which is great. Um, uh, and then that's what I do is I work in theater. Um, but I'm curious about, uh, yeah, what your film experiences are and if, if you have comparisons between the two or if you, uh, especially being in Colorado, like, how what's specific to Colorado with theater and film and whatnot yeah that's like a good question too um 
in terms of film, I'm definitely primarily more theater because that's yeah. where my I love lies. I'm like, theater's my first love in life. Mm -hmm. It truly is. But film came because of college where okay. I met Tyler because like all these creative people, which I loved a lot of the people in the program we were in just because everyone really wanted to make good work. Mm -hmm. So we all strove, like we all strided to do something good with our film and people mm -hmm. obviously wanted to do it. Um, but in terms of film, I'm definitely still learning a lot of the ropes. So I just got with my agency. I think I've been with them for about a year now or okay. a little over, but it's a different beast. Yeah. Um, I've done projects here and there um, because of networking. I've obviously had opportunities like two, two professors we had in college. They did a feature film here in Colorado that revolved around design. Mondo Gira, who was on Project Runway, was a oh, part cool. of it too. Um, so I got the opportunity to audition because they knew my work. And that's the great thing about um, you start the seed, plant the seed in college, or if you mm -hmm. start young, you start to network and obviously people start to know you, people start to know your work. Right. Um, so I got that opportunity, did that feature film and I was like, this is cool. And from all the stuff projects we did with other students, I was like, this is something I could also get into. Um, so yeah, uh, obviously, like I said, I joined my agency not too long ago. And that's how I've started to access more film and television. So it's been a slow incline with that because yeah. it's, it's different. It's completely different from theater, like um, self-tape auditions and just the form of auditioning is so much more different. Like, right. I don't know if, if you guys, I don't know if Tyler, I'm pretty sure you've had the experience where I've had auditions where they're like, all right, let's see your hands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> profile. Yep. That's it. Oh, that's man. all they want. Yeah. They're, they're literally so cattle crazy. calls. Yeah. 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 So in terms of, and I think part of it too is Colorado is more independent. It's still a very small hub. So um, obviously I feel like if I were in New Mexico or in mm -hmm. LA, I'd definitely probably be a lot farther in a way. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I think it also has to do with the focus I have because I'm so like focused on theater. I'm like, okay, well, I'm doing this. So it's been a balancing act. Film is, uh, I would say I'm still kind of brawling with film, if anything. I've had yeah. experience. I like it. I like it for the fact that, um, well, I'm sure you know, you guys know, film pays a lot. Yeah, film yeah, and television yeah. pay so much more. Yeah. Um, but it's also nice just because of the different, the different artists you meet. Um, I've met so many different artists through it. And then they... I think it's another way to nurture a lot of the mm -hmm. different traits I pick up on. Because mm -hmm. the great thing about our program in college was we, um, I, for the theater, film, and television program I did, we had to do everything. We mm -hmm. literally mm -hmm. dove into yep. every aspect of it. So I think that's what it is. If anything, for me, film right now, it's, it's a learning experience. It's almost like every time I go on a set, it's like a chance to be in a crash course. Right, right. I, I'm one of those people who really likes to analyze what people are doing, mm -hmm. even when I'm working. Mm -hmm. That way I can take that with me. And I think that's why I've been as successful as I have, have in growing with theater and starting to grow in film because I just try to learn every opportunity I yeah. get. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Um, how do you, have you been able to work outside of Colorado at all? Or has this kind of been where your focus is? Um, I've had opportunities uh, just through um, theater here. Mm -hmm. Like I know Suteatro wanted me for a traveling show they were doing. Oh, cool. and, oh, but I awesome. could not, yeah, but I couldn't do it because I was like, I was so bombarded with other, at the sure. time I was 
I think at the time I was juggling two other productions. I was in one play and then I was doing another thing. And then when that came, I was like, I don't think I could add another thing to my plate. So at the moment, no, I have not traveled outside Colorado other than the networking I've done with people who come into the city. And like um, for the Colorado New Play Festival that they do here, that's primarily under the Denver Center. I've gotten the chance to be a part of that. So my work outside is really inside, but through mm-hmm. networking. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, I mean, if oh, that was going to be my next question, up, yeah, if you is there somewhere that you would really like to work, or yeah. somewhere outside of Colorado? I mean, clearly you're very dedicated to working in Colorado and bringing theater here. Mm-hmm. But is there somewhere that you would really love to go? And oh God, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like. I've I've talked to my partner about this where I'm like if I get a chance to do a touring show I will do it if mm-hmm. I can if I can get a residency or if I can do something like a fellowship and travel mm-hmm. to a different country I would because I I yearn to like work with different cultures I yearn to work with different artists and obviously if I had to tackle the U.S. I would love to work in Chicago mm-hmm. Texas has a ton of Latinx theaters so I would love to go there oh, yeah. um yeah, I would like to just tackle like big monsters um, in terms of like, cause I've even th- thought about moving to experience other communities, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's what it is. Like my journey has been one step at a time so far. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. That's great. Uh, I wanted to ask you, cause we dived a little bit into it, but mm-hmm. what's like a, especially like, I want to learn more about the, the cultural portion of it, but what's been a huge influence on your career and your your general livelihood and your creativity? Like, is there, we talked about you uh, becoming interested at a young age, but what has been a huge influence, whether it's, uh, you know, a person like say August Wilson or um, Gina Mm -hmm. Davis's work, or just being more of a a culturally prominent creator. What is something that influences you every single day when you wake up and go, Oh, Hey, I can, I can write this scene or maybe I can practice this, this monologue here. So what, what influences you to keep, going this creative route uh intrinsically at least yeah um so in terms of pursuing it and inspiration um when i started part of the reason why this was so special and even graduating colleges i'm first generation Mm, i'm one of the i think there's only one other person in my family i think it's the distant cousin that does like somewhat dips into theater but as far as my family goes, like, I don't even know everyone in my family because it's so huge. (laughs) But I'm literally the only artist who's making a living off of it. So that's, that's one of the big inspirations because I knew when I was younger, I wanted to succeed. I wanted Mm -hmm. to to take everything my parents gave me because we grew up very, like, we were in poverty. Mm -hmm. I remember, like, I was one of those kids who, I actually mom would tell me she's like you've at, you had asked me or that I had asked her why don't we have food mm-hmm. I actually asked my mom that mm-hmm. question when I was little so I grew up in poverty I grew up as a hand-me-down kid and I just knew that I wanted to take what they gave me and I wanted to run with it I wanted mm-hmm. to grow so that was the first seed of inspiration and then as I ran along obviously August Wilson connecting with writers like I remember I connected with the things they carried um by mm-hmm. I think it was Tim O'Brien, mm-hmm. 1984, yeah. um, Shakespeare, just because it was so unique, but the stories were so lovely, like Twelfth Night. Um, so the writer started to inspire me because I think at an early age, realizing like with the things they carried 1984, 
um, the crucible by Arthur Miller, I was like, these are real issues. And I don't think I really knew what it was that was in me, but I was like, this connects with me and this is important. People mm -hmm. should read this. People should know this material. So I think little by little subconsciously, I ran with that. And now just watching artists and obviously the political climate, the, mm -hmm. the discrimination, the bigotry, everything, mm -hmm. that's what is really fueling me right now. And I mean, when everything started, when George Floyd's news broke out, when BLM really hit the ground, mm -hmm. I started writing more. And I was like, if yeah. there's anything I can do as an artist, I know it's this. And that's how playwriting really also took, took um, an evolution. And just, just also... Um, what I think it's also just seeing how much it's helping others because sure. that's that's my goal as an artist too it's like I don't want to just I don't want it to just be every man for himself it's like if I'm going to grow and I can do something to help someone or if I can build a bridge to gap any or build a bridge for any gap it's like I'll I'll do my best which is why I've become so involved in all these commit these to because I'm like how can I help bridge this gap because obviously there are people who want to do it but they don't know how to and mm -hmm. I also find myself in a place of privilege because with the Denver Center that's the cream of the crop here yeah, yeah. I have I, I made my way in there and by some crazy unfortunately and amazing enough I'm the only bilingual artist in the Denver Center so wow they yeah so they reached to me a lot and i'm like this is a truly a very big thing and a very big deal because we've had other bilingual artists but i'm the most prominent one that's sure. there full-time that's been doing this full-time so that's that's really what feels me right now obviously like i said um i'm sure you kind of see where my political views are because i'm like mm -hmm. i don't agree with a lot of this discrimination mm -hmm. um and obviously also pulling from real life, uh, as much as it sucks to have to read about current news and look at different things, I that's what I'm using right now for my writing. Sure. And even with this with this short play from Ghost Stories Around the World, like I do my research by watching, like I don't know if you've seen it, but Immigration Nation is very uh -huh. heartbreaking, but it's great. Mm -hmm. Um there's a there's this wonderful documentary called um about the 43 of Ayat which are these 43 male students who disappeared in Mexico. Oh they my. were taken. It's a whole government thing. And um, to this day, it's been six years. The parents still fight to find their sons. Ugh. They did find the remains of some, but oh yeah. Um, so that's what I, that's what I'm pulling inspiration from. Cause sure. I think if, if you have the power to do storytelling, if you have the power to be a performer and put your voice out there, I think it's now's the time to really put it into activism. Right. Um, or as, m as my friends, like some in this theater community here in Denver, they're like, it's time, they're like, it's time to get active. Where are my abolitionists? And I'm like, you know what? That's right. And um, even Colorado's Poet Laureate, which is um, the writer of Northside, my friend Bobby Lefebvre. Yeah. He's really, he's really pushing forward with that because it's like, if we're gonna, if we sit, stay here and twiddle our thumbs, nothing is gonna happen. Mm -hmm. So what are we doing as a people? Because obviously what we thought was normal wasn't normal. Because I mean, look at, look at everything that happened mm -hmm. and how it's just spiraled out of control. So that, I think, I don't know. Sorry if that is like- No, a that tangent, totally, no, it, to it definitely answers the question. Um, I do want to, I mean, just because you are clearly so passionate about it and I'm very curious being a white lady, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> um, you know, like, uh, you're right. I, I fully agree with you that there is definitely, uh, uh, 
difference in terms of access between white kids and black kids and, and kids of color and Latinx and all this stuff. And um, how do you feel, especially being able to work through the Denver Center with the, I'm assuming is it Denver, is it DPS, Denver Public Schools that you work with um, or is it all the yes. schools? Um, you know, all of them. <laughs> what do you, what do you notice or um, uh, take away from working at certain schools that maybe have a higher ratio of Latinx to white or vice versa or whatever? Like, what are you experiencing and what are you hoping so that, that there is more equality between uh, availability of, of theater and the arts and stuff like that. Yeah, um, that's that's a great question just because um, that's something a lot of people need to talk about. Um, when I work uh, with schools, especially with uh, lower income neighborhoods and minority schools, um, and the craziest thing is before I became full-time, I worked in Denver Public Schools. I worked at a low, in a low-income neighborhood. It was a school in Globeville called Garden Place, and it's amazing to see the influence a person of color or just a person who reflects, mm -hmm. the, is a reflection of these kids, aka, mm -hmm. oh, someone who looks like me. Um, it's amazing the impact it could put on them, and uh, the impact that I've seen with my presence alone is I can speak Spanish. I'm, yeah, that was that's my native language. Um, they uh, I get all the time, like especially when I started, it was like a it was like a tidal wave. Like teachers were like, "This is so nice." They're like, "It's so great to have somebody who speaks Spanish and that you understand." Because the thing they said is they're like, "Well, with the other artists, they're like they get engaged, they love it, but." something doesn't click and connect mm -hmm. fully like mm -hmm. they just don't fully connect because they don't know everything they're saying and some of our teaching artists try because it's like some of them know a little bit of Spanish so they try to um, bridge that gap but it still doesn't fully feed feed that like yearning or they're like I want to understand but I don't know how to mm -hmm. access mm -hmm. um so it really has shifted a lot like these kids they're they get like their engagement level is off the charts. I'm like, these that's kids awesome. want this, especially because now we have standardized testing and that's becoming the primary focus, which is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Cause it's like their little bodies, they, they have to grow. They want yeah, to yeah, be yeah. energetic. They want to express and be imaginative. And with everything happening, it's like they get put in a box, but then when, me or my fellow teaching artists enter the room, it explodes. It's like, ah, oh, we get to run around, we get to act, we get to use our imagination. Um, but also like with the older kids, uh, it's also been really cool because I've had, I had a colleague last year who I worked with in, uh, from our summer camps at the Denver Center. And he reached out to me and he's like, there's a girl, she's Latina in my classroom because he works at a school called Bruce Randolph. It is primarily Latinx and mm. primarily minorities. And he had told me, asked me if I could personally come in to talk to this girl because she had seen me do one of their Shakespeare in the parking lot programs. And yeah. interesting enough, it like, I think it, he said gave her some sort of hope that she can do the same mm. because that's the thing. Most um, outside of one of our other members, she moved to New York, but I am the only Latinx person in that program. And mm -hmm. then um, thankfully we have some, we have a mixture. So that's the beautiful thing about that program is people do get to see diversity, but yeah, to that's, that's the kind of impact this has the, yeah. the arts in general. And just like seeing a person 
um, just seeing like a Latina being successful, they're like, oh my God, you're doing this full time. Like the amount of times I've gotten that. And then just like high school will come up to me and they're like, so how did you start doing this? So that's, that's where the impact lies. It's like, um, really placing mirror and saying, yeah, you could succeed Mm -hmm. skin color, um, your class. It doesn't matter. Cause obviously like I'm a obvious product of success in the sense that it's like, I didn't let those barriers stop me, but it, but it's also all about like making sure that you have those mentors because Mm -hmm. um, that's the great thing now is that teachers being like some of the hardest workers on the front line right now is they're really trying to reach out and nurture students. So it's almost like it's, it's not to toot my own horn or anything, but it's almost like giving teachers see it as a gift. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Thank you. Cause, cause that's the continuous conversation I have, especially teachers who meet me for the first time. Cause I get to travel all over. Like I go to Boulder County. We've mm-hmm. gone to schools. We've reached out like with Shakespeare in the parking lot. I know we've gone to the Springs. We were supposed to go to Estes park this year, but COVID hit. Mm. So that's, that's really the impact um, you see, which is what I had was planting a seed of, like the possibility of doing more. That's awesome. Absolutely. You have this link to this next generation. I don't think a lot of at least artists in in our situation hold on to. I think a lot of us look at it as, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do next? How am I going to survive? How am I going to make a career out of it? Uh, I guess I, I wanted to ask you, would you ever consider making or creating your own sort of like Zoom class theater for those kiddos you you can't reach you're doing a you know like hey pay what you can sort of theater do a, a small group where you can do some more uh youth theater groups and do some more performance art with them would you ever consider doing something like that oh absolutely i would um like i think it's just for me it's a matter of really like buckling down mm-hmm. and figuring oh, yeah. out how do i use my resources and i've actually considered going back to school um, just because I thought about getting my master's to actually become more of a full-fledged like teaching entity. Sure. That way I can get those opportunities and where I have access, it's like I can like carve in a little more, but definitely as a teaching artist, because uh, I love kids. I don't know if you could tell, but I love kids. <laughs> you know, so, what? No. So, but yeah, if the opportunity ever rose where people were like, we really want this, I would definitely dig into it. And I've thought about it because the great thing about like public libraries and stuff is they're doing a lot of virtual programming Mm -hmm. right now. But my thing has been, it's like, okay, how can I build a curriculum or how can, what can I do to best best offer my my skills and my services? Mm -hmm. So I think that's where the trick lies, but yeah, definitely. Cool. How are we doing on time? Uh, we're doing good. Okay. We're doing good so far. We have uh, time for a couple more. Yeah. Um, I, I think one thing that um, I, I know the few people who I've talked to have listened to just Tyler's episode and stuff is uh, <laughs> listeners are enjoying hearing like best or worst stories of your experiences. <laughs> like, do you have something <laughs> particular, like a good story you like to tell at a party or anything like that? Oh my God. I, I have several. <laughs> I think... Um, yeah, definitely. There's, if, it, there's if, you have a, if you have one that maybe shows someone in not the best light, we'll just not use their name, but you know. No, I, I will not use their okay. name. Um, I've had so many stories just because I've worked all over the industry. Yeah. Um, I've also worked in the rock and roll and concert industry. So those oh, are cool, cool stories. Um, but in terms of like worst, uh, this is thankfully most everything I've done professionally has been pretty good, 
but I remember back in college when I was close to finishing my college, um, my education in college, I had to do a play that was awesome because it really, um, it was for the Wounded Warriors Project. Oh, cool. So it, yeah, so donated to that. And um, we had veterans that we were showcasing their art. And um, it was just great. And I did this play called Pox Americana, which was at the time of, um, when was it? It was at the time when we were overseas in Iraq mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. all that. What During, I, I think, what was that? Bush administration? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it was during that time period. And basically, I was the only female in the cast. It was like four other men. Um, and... I remember it's like, it was a pretty good story just because it was like, it was mostly about the men. I was kind of just like the, I was the woman, I was the female soldier. Right. Um, and I had a, I had a romantic interest with the main character. That was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do, especially when I had to kiss him. I was oh. like, <laughs> it was, it was so difficult. I've never, I, cause he was a younger actor, but oh. it was amazing. It was amazing to see him try to direct after the director directed. It was oh, so no. bad. Oh, no. And then the worst part is I remember uh, my family came to see it and they're like, you did so good, but that guy totally does not look in love with you. Yeah. You could tell something was up when uh-huh. you were kissing him. And I'm like, it was probably the worst makeout kissing <laughs> I've ever had to do at anything. <laughs> Uh, honestly, that is literally one of the reasons I cannot be a performer is I, I just, I am not comfortable with kissing people that I have no interest in kissing <laughs> and like to do that on stage in front of people. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Girl, as a, you may, I'm sure we've all had our fresh shares. Yeah. I don't know if you have Tyler in movies, but yeah, like that, I think it's like, if you don't have that chemistry or yeah. if you do not like your partner, which... Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't help it. I tried yeah. it and I did not like my scene partner. I was yeah. like, this is, but you suck it up when you do the work because it's yeah. production. Yeah. So that was probably the worst experience I've ever had. And other than that, it's been like little flukes, like in my professional career for Shakespeare in the parking lot, we had to climb on the truck. So we use the truck bed for performing. Like for Romeo and Juliet, uh-huh. there's a scene where um, when Romeo kills Tybalt, yeah. like they run onto the truck bed and they're literally fighting on this truck bed and that like we use all of it midsummer night stream we climb over the truck we literally go yeah. from the truck bed all the way on top down it's a lot of fun but i remember there was an incident because i i one of my tracks is juliet for romeo and juliet okay. so when juliet has to go to the balcony we have a little ladder we place behind the truck to climb on to the bed so that's like the balcony and romeo's on the parking lot ground right uh, the ladder fell under me one day, and oh! I almost fell off the truck. Yep, had a bunch of had bleeding a whole from the nose because you, you yep, kids are like screaming. <laughs> you know, they didn't notice because That's I managed cool. to just hold on to the truck bed. Like it literally, I was climbing up, and then it just started to fall. It was oh like my I had this. I had this oh shit moment where I'm like I'm gonna fall off and I did so I think they noticed a little bit but it was one of the most oh shit moments I've yeah, had in my professional career. I love career. that that's so funny. It's a true mark of a professional yeah, when right? something like that happens and you go no I'm cool yeah I'm, I'm good I got this yep I'm good. Oh, it's so that. bad I had because I had to answer Romeo's call again I'm like oh I have to get up so yeah oh yeah <laughs> I'm here I'm here guys I, I promise I got yeah Hi. exactly <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so 
before we wrap up, and I hate that we have to wrap up, but I <laughs> wanted to, to just ask you, because obviously, you know, I know we've been friends for a while, but what other passions do you have outside of like theater and, and, and film? What are some things you enjoy doing, especially in times of COVID when everything's locked down that uh, give mm-hmm. you some, some relief and some uh, endorphins? Yeah. Um, obviously, I mean, I guess it's kind of work because I, from what my partner tells me, I live and breathe what I love to do. Cause, but I obviously love watching Netflix. I, I'm excited. Um, let's Mandalorian 2 on Disney Plus. I am so excited for that. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm very simple. Like I love doing puzzles and I just, I think I try to stick to stuff that stimulates my brain a little more because being, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but when you're working all the time and you're on the screen, especially mm-hmm. as a writer, like now that I'm playwriting, you want to get away from it. So yeah, I, unfortunately it's kind of theater related, but it's like reading plays, reading books. Um, and yeah, I, I, I try, I try to stay, I mean, obviously Tyler remember the fitness. I haven't been as active just because I've been so like tired from everything, like mentally, physically, mm-hmm exhausted but um yeah when I when I could get active I do like to just like yesterday I went for a walk with a friend it was one of the first things I did outside of like the pandemic where I'm like this is like the third friend I've seen in almost half a year wow so yeah I would say that I'm a very simple person like sometimes me and my partner will paint because she's an artist will like just just stuff that stimulates you so not very exciting, but it's okay. <laughs> that sounds pretty that's, exciting. Yeah. It's really, like, mentally stimulating too. Right. Right. Um, I also, yeah. you know, we'd like to ask um, if you have anything you want to promote mm-hmm. or any specific advice you'd like to share with listeners um, that we can, Ooh. you know, also tag uh, and and link to things uh, on our social. Mm. Um, well, I guess the, the closest thing to promote right now, if I had to do any self-promotion is obviously, um, next stage is doing this series. I don't know what they're calling it exactly, but I'm calling it ghost stories from around the world. Cause they got pieces from India, from Russia. Very cool. Um, yeah. So I would say that's my next thing for this, this new little piece I wrote. That's going to be a part of this big collaborative. Cool. Um, and then in terms of just uh, promoting, it's just like, I would just say, just support your local artists and theaters, mm-hmm. like support your workers in the industry. That's because that's the thing. It's like self-promotion. Cool. But I think what we need to focus on right now as a community is mm-hmm. everywhere in the U.S. Yes. artists are literally trying to either do real world jobs or they're scraping by trying to still do what they love. So I think that's what I would really promote. It's like, hey, support organizations. A lot of theaters need donations. A lot mm-hmm. of theaters just want you to go see their Zoom reading, check in on your fellow artists, mm-hmm. check in mm-hmm. on industry people like the people from the concert and the union or something right now they haven't had a gig for over six months and that's very unheard of um and yeah I would say it goes into the advice it's like just just yeah I would say that's what's made me successful I think it's like networking and just trying to think of others outside of myself obviously Mm -hmm. feed obviously fill your cup right but you still want to try and bridge out to other people because chances are it's like um I don't know if you've heard of Gary Vaynerchuk Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Motivator. Oh, yeah. Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about it all the time. He says, think about how you got to where you got. It's all about networking. Mm-hmm. If 
who got you to this point? I can remember who got me to yeah. the Denver Center. Yeah. And it's like, that's the beauty of networking and lifting up each other is it's like you actually become more successful yep. than when you're just trying to look out for yourself. So that's what I would say. Like, yeah. Awesome. Look out for everyone. Well, thanks, Eliana. Thank you. So that's uh, just to, to finish up, that's what we want to do here is yeah. branch out, network with other arts workers, make sure everyone knows that they're not alone right. and that we want to talk to as many people as we can and get to know their story. It was so awesome having yeah. you here. I'm really happy you said you'd, you'd do it because I wasn't sure how busy you were. <laughs> oh, dude, I was so excited. I, I remember seeing this pop up on your feed and I was like, you doing a podcast now? Because I've seen... <laughs> All right. Yeah. If y'all don't actually know Tyler, he does fitness, <laughs> he does, he does film, he's writing scripts constantly. I'm like, you blow my mind. Like, and, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and honestly, like the work you guys are doing with this, I was like, this is badass. I love it. So, so yes. And you guys already got your logo. That's shit. I was like, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I was so like, hey, artist, you got to draw that. <laughs> oh, yeah, she made me pull out the uh, the, the pen and pencil to, to sketch up our cartoon version. So yep. we got all that yes. set up. And uh, at some point when we have more time, I'd love to cartoon all of our guests and make yeah. a big collage. Yeah, uh, that'd be amazing. So you're forever immortalized yeah. on the podcast. But That's badass. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I, uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I wanted to thank you sincerely for for doing this coming in and talking to us i am always impressed with what you're doing especially when i saw you at suit theatrical performing uh in Northside. i didn't even know you're in the play and i verbalized when you came up with oh my god that's cool uh, that's like <laughs> totally totally getting out that tyler Laraco was like i know her because i'm like I I know you, um, but no, thank you so much for having me. This is a blast. Seriously, yeah. and I can't wait to see what else you bring out on this totally. Stitcher podcast. Yeah, everybody, it's on Stitcher. Get <laughs> so we usually do a, an awkward uh, goodbye. goodbye with no real sort of conclusion. So, so I, I guess we'll just, we'll just say. Yeah, well, we do, we do, I mean, we do promote ourselves, so we can start with that. Actually, so yeah, we should do that. Uh, if you're listening, um, you likely found us on one of our social media pages, either on Instagram or on Facebook, um, PWRP podcast mm -hmm. uh, for both of those. And then, um, and yeah, we are, we are on uh, Apple podcasts. We are on Stitcher. We are on Spotify. Technically, we're on Google Podcasts, but uh, currently, in, in this actual present moment, we're having some technical difficulties with them. Maybe by the time you are listening to this, uh, we won't be having technical difficulties, so you can find us there. Um, and yeah, if yeah. you want to contact us at all, if you have thoughts, if you mm -hmm. you know want to shout out because you know Ileana and you listen to this episode and or something, uh, you can email us at pwrp.pod at gmail.com. Uh, and other than that, yeah, I guess that's, this is the wrap this, up of episode is, three. Spirit fingers are Woo! going up. We're shaking it. And we're going to give things. you a wonderfully awkward goodbye. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>